Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles this evening, I want you to turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Malachi, chapter 3. We want to dive into the second part of the message that we began a week ago on living a life to the fullest. And I asked you a question last week. I think it's worth asking again is how many of you desire to live life to the fullest? I see hands, I see a little nods, there it is, yeah. I don't really think there's anybody here that's set out to have life to the, to the negative, life to the least. I didn't set out that way. I didn't, I didn't come into this earth and decide, well, I hope I just, you know, everything's fair to Midland all my life. I think God wants us to run after the greatest things that he has for us. He wants your life to be full and to the overflow. He wants you to live in the overflow. He wants you to live in the abundance. That's who God is. Isn't he an abundant God? Isn't he a full God? He's a God that is not slack concerning his promise and not lack in any of his provision. He's a God that has ample resources. In fact, he has so many resources, he has a treasure house. And he told us through the scriptures that you and I have the keys to the kingdom and that we can go into the kingdom of God and unlock the door of blessing we need in our life at the time of that need. That's who God has allowed us to have access to or what he's allowed us to have access to. So God wants you to live life to the fullest. And tonight, as we continue this process uh, on this particular thought of living life to the fullest, I want to hone in another week on finances and how God wants to bless you and how he wants you to live in the overflow and increase in in your pocketbook in your wallet. Uh, God doesn't want your change to be strange. God wants you to have abundant blessings. Are you here? I don't believe that it was God's will for you to have to rob Peter to pay Paul. I don't believe it was God's will. It is God's will for you to always be uh, on the downside, always uh, struggling. Come on, somebody. I do believe that it is the will of God for you to live in blessing. Now, when you begin to talk about finances and you talk about tithe and offering and where we are, uh, some people get nervous. And, in fact, they, they, will, they will sit in a service like this, and if, if they're not a tither or a giver, they start getting ants in their pants and they start getting uncomfortable. And it's about that time that uh, when, the, when the preaching and teaching is really zeroing in and we feel the heat of it, that we'll pull out a mint and unwrap a mint and balance our checkbook. And I've even had seen people clip their fingernails in service uh, as nasty as that is. But what we do things when we are nervous. When something is uh, going against the grain of our upbringing or our understanding, and because we don't understand something, we sometimes will fight against it. And so God wants to bring us into a great revelation of blessing. And I want you to know right now that I'm not after your money. The church is not after your money. Even God's not after your money. God wants you to live in blessing, and he gives you an equation on how to receive blessing in your life. So I want you to, if you want to be blessed, put your hand up on your chest and say, I want to be blessed. Now elbow your neighbor and say, don't you want to be blessed too? We all want to be blessed. So if you're going to be here tonight and you're you're zoning in and you're listening to the scriptures and the word, then I don't want you to get uncomfortable because I'm not going to preach to you anything that's not in the Bible. I want you to take a hold of the word of God and let it be food for your soul. Amen. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, the very familiar passage that we read last week. And the, the prophet is reminded of the word of God that speaks and says, Will a man rob God? Interesting that 
God would speak in terms of robbery. It's different if you steal from somebody. Stealing from somebody and robbing someone is two different things. If I steal from you, maybe you don't even know I took it. But if I rob you, I have done you mental, emotional, and possibly physical harm. Let's say someone stops you at a, God forbid, stops you at a stop sign and pulls a gun out on you and says, give me your money. They are robbing you. They're not just stealing. They are robbing you. They are causing you harm. And so interesting that God doesn't use the word steal from me. He uses the word rob. That when we rob God, we are causing his body harm. Let's let it get real quiet in here and soak that in. I, when we rob God, we are causing his body physical harm. Now, he asked the question, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? And then he says in tithe and offering, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. <laughs> and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, I want us to do a little recap so that we can catch up and go right into tonight. And one of the things that I asked you to write down last week was, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. God wants you to live in truth. There's a part of the scripture that said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In other words, that we are not educated on what the word of God says. Do you know that you can just catch any phrase out of the Bible and spin it out of context? And there have been entire denominationals, uh, denomination groups that have taken a scripture and have spun it out of context and made a whole uh, one of those being that women shouldn't preach. And if that's all the amens I get from the women folk, I'm... Where someone has not taken into context the writing of Apostle Paul as he was addressing certain issues to the church in Corinth. And they would take an entire passage now and blast people, who, women who preach the gospel. But yet the Bible said in the last days, I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Can I get a Holy Ghost amen? So I guess I want you to say, if we only take one passage and we monopolize on that and do not bring it together in the entirety of Scripture or the canon of Scripture where everything supports itself all the way around, then we are in error. And this is the reason sometimes people get in error even in tithe and offering because Grandpa Hoopendiddle said, well, we don't have to tithe and, and that's Old Testament and that's not, you know, and stuff like that. And we pick up on that stuff and think, well, it must be true if Granddaddy said it. But the Bible said, you shall know the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Free. So I want to give you truth on tithe. Tithe, by definition, is 10%. If you give 11%, that's not a tithe. 10% of it is, is a tithe. 1% is an offering. You cannot give a tithe above what, it's, what it means. And God said, bring the tithe. How much is tithe? 10%. And so the word of God specifically defines the word tithe as a tent. And the Bible tells us that we are to tithe on our increase. So whatever is an increase to you, you tithe on it. If we were to go back into times where there were bartering and there were exchanges that took place when people didn't have money to pay for medical assistance, that they might bring uh, the doctor a chicken. Or they might bring... Uh, a cow, or they might bring milk, or they might bring pies. Uh, in other words, they would bring the very best they had to make an exchange. 
And, and I want you to understand that tithe, by definition, when you bring it to God, you're bringing Him whatever is an increase to you. You are tithing off of that. People ask me, Pastor, should I tithe on the gross or should I tithe on the net? I honestly believe that you have to determine that with you and God. But I would say, do you ask you a question, do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? It also tells us that we are to be, bring the first fruit. That means everything comes off the top. God comes first. He comes first. And so we understand that even in the book of Romans, in the book of Hebrews, that both of those uh, prove the fact that God is a, 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 a God of order and a God who lays a foundation for us to prosper. And so I want to encourage you that. And I also want to tell you that if you believe yourself to be in a covenant with God, then you have to remember that you are of the covenant of Christ. We are right now in fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. In other words, we have fulfilled that. And the New Testament shows us that we now are priests in the covenant with God. And we know that Jesus is the high priest and you and I uh, uh, serve up under the high priest as priests in his kingdom but he is after the order where the Bible says of the priest uh, Melchizedek and I want you to catch this because you understand that, the, that, that Melchizedek and Abraham met each other 400 years before the law of Moses ever came after Abraham has gathered all spoils of nine different kingdoms and he comes and he tithes to the priest and there's an exchange that takes place. Before we get any further than that, let me remind you that tithing is different than giving. Tithing is different than the offering that you bring. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give, and it shall be given unto who? Given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Why? Because the first part of that verse says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Then he says, Here's how. It's going to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I will cause who? Men to give unto your bosom. For with the same measure you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. When you give God an offering, you are giving some of what belongs to you above your tithe. You are bringing it to God. When you tithe, you're not giving God anything. You cannot give what does not belong to you. You bring the tithe and you give the offering. Does that make sense? Nowhere in the scripture that says that you give a tithe. It says that we are to bring the tithe because the tithe already belongs to God. And so this is how God begins to bring multiplication into our life through the offering. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I will cause men to give unto your bosom. Now, I want you to write this down. It's the offering that causes your money to multiply. This is what he was saying in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. When you bring the tithe into the storehouse and he said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive it. It is God that opens up the windows of heaven. You and I can count on the fact if we are tithers that God will open up heaven over our house. A window will open up with supernatural vision and provision and God will show me where my wealth is. He will show me where my blessing is. He will give me a revelation of which direction to move in because a window has been opened over my house. The word window in heaven is the in the Hebrew is the word shamak. God said I will shamak you. I will open up the gate over your house. I will show you a revelation into a place that you cannot see naturally but it'll be your tithe that opens up the window and you will see what could not be seen with natural eye. I'll give you impartation. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you knowledge. I'll show you how to walk in your blessing. You will be able to see visible glory clouds from heaven showing you which direction to move just as the children of Israel who were led cloud by day and fire by night led by God God gives you a shamak experience 
In Malachi 3 and 10, he says, Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I will not open you to the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. And the word blessing is the word baraka in Hebrew. In the Greek, it is benedicto. And I shared all of these things with you last year. Of that benedicto is the word conclusion. That's where we get our English word benediction and our conclusion or or a finality. God will bring everything to a conclusion. He will bring things to a finish. And there are some people here tonight, you've been tithing for a long time, you've been giving for a long time, and you can you could raise your hand and testify that God has opened a shamak over your house. He has brought uh, he has brought a benedicto to you and, and plans that you had that you didn't even know where it was coming from. And God said, on this day, on this time, I'm going to bring it all to pass. I'm going to bring a conclusion to what you've been praying for, what you've been asking for. I'm going to bring a benediction into your life. And I'm telling you, you and I in our own strength, we can't bring conclusion to nothing. But God who is the author and the finisher of our faith is able to write with the pen of a ready writer who is the author. That means he's still writing the story and it is only him that can put a punctuation on the end of the sentence of what you've been praying for. I can't do it in myself. You can't do it in yourself. But when I bring the tithe and when I give the offering, he opens up a shamak over me and then pronounces I will show you where your conclusion is. I will show you where the answer to your prayer is. I will open up heaven and bring you a benediction. Tithing opens the windows of heaven. I shared with you on Sunday about a man, an Italian man by the name of Cornelius. How many were here for that message Sunday? He is a man in authority and under authority. And he so desires to have a vision from God. He so desires to, to please the Lord that the Bible said he gave alms and he prayed. And the scripture said that God sent him a message that the angel of the Lord came to his house. He was a Gentile. He was not even a Jew. He was an Italian, a man of great authority. But God said, I have, I have seen your alms and heard your prayers. They have come up before me. The only way that his alms and prayers could have got to God is there had to have been a window open for the fragrance, the alms and the prayer to co-mix together and be sent up for God to take notice of someone who wasn't even eligible according to Jewish law. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad sitting here tonight that we are Gentiles that have been grafted in to the body of Christ? Come on, you ought to thank God that this message was preached to us. Let us not be divided over isms and all these things when all of us ain't nothing but a bunch of Gentiles. <laughs> that have been grafted in. Don't become high and mighty and think that you're the best thing that ever was and it's never rained on your parade. If you hold your nose up long enough, you'll drown. We are Gentiles that God has grafted in and Cornelius prayed and he gave and they opened up a window and there God responded. After he gave and after he prayed, that's when God gave the vision and brought to his house, and brought to his, his heart, and said, there's a man coming, I want you to invite him to your house, it was Apostle Peter, and he will come. And before the story was over, that after Peter got there, and didn't know exactly what was going on, other than God sent him on an assignment down to Cornelius' house, and they both ask each other, what are you doing here, 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 and Peter just does what he does, he does, do what you do, and he just preached and preached, and the Bible said, 
that the whole house of Cornelius, his whole family tree was there. All of his kinfolk and his relatives, it was just a good old shindig. They were all together and the Holy Ghost fell on all of them and the Bible said that the disciples were in a great awe because they said, oh my goodness, we have heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. They received the power from the Holy Ghost upon their life because somebody was a giver and somebody was a prayer warrior and I'm telling you, you want the Holy Ghost to come upon your family, the good principle of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 is be a giver and be a prayer person. Come on now and God will hear and God will answer and the Holy Ghost can fall on your house. I ask you this question because Cornelius' destiny came about through his giving. Here's a question. Who has your money? Look over somebody, because I know we got married couples here tonight, and some of you have secret stashes in your wallet and secret stashes in your purse. In fact, one of the questions that was asked in our marriage weekend was about checking accounts and having different accounts. And it was an intense conversation to talk about, although that's not exactly what I'm talking about. But I have a question, and that is who has your money? A non-tither, hear me, and please, please be offended by this statement. If it is a, to be, a, if, you, if you're going to be offended, then go ahead, uh, be offended. But a non-tither is not going to know their destiny because the windows are closed. If you don't know where to go or where to get what you need, it's because you don't have spiritual eyesight in your life and you're all the time just wandering around Mount Nebo. The same thing that the, the, the Israelites did, they just kept circling the same mountain and no spiritual eyesight, a non-tither has closed the way to vision, you're living in a house with no window. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but you do have to agree with the word to show you that this is not just some scheme that pastors and churches use to get your money. Let's look at Luke 16. In Luke 16, 10 through 12, the Bible said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful to even the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you to trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you which is your own? Oh, I could just rabbit trail off of this passage. People always want to be blessed and don't want to work for it. Don't take care of what they already have. I mean, if you've got a hoopty, then drive it and keep it clean and keep the oil changed and keep the, sh the tires shined, if, even if it's known as the Bondo Mobile. Drive that thing like it is a Mercedes Benz. Drive it because you're a steward of it. And if you'll be faithful in the little thing, God can make you ruler in the greater thing. But if you can't be faithful in the unrighteous mammon, how can you be trusted with true riches? Oh, my, my. There's a difference here. And I want you to see there are two levels of riches. And you need to write this down somewhere in your notes. There's an unrighteous mammon, and then there's a true riches. So there's two things that he's talking about. There's two different levels, unrighteous mammon and true riches. God will never give you true riches until he first knows that you can handle the unrighteous riches. He has to see that you are going to be faithful with it. And if you're not faithful with something that belongs to another man, then why would God trust you with something greater? In other words, if I go to Pastor Hill and I say, Pastor Hill, can I borrow your lawnmower? And he says, sure, come on over and get it. And I go over and I get his push mower and I put it in my truck and I head to my house and I just mow everybody's yard in the neighborhood and I burn up the mower 
with not having enough gas or oil in it until it just ends up dying. I break the cord that you started with and I just all kinds of stuff. And then I just bring it back to Pastor Hill and say, here you go. Thanks a lot. And I don't treat what belongs to another man the way I would treat it if it belongs to me. And if you are a renter and you are banging holes and saying, oh, well, it's not mine. How do you ever think God's going to bless you with a home of your own when you are destroying another person's property? I'd like to raise a church at a Bethel Family Worship Center that would understand that that true riches of God have to do with spiritual power, spiritual wisdom, understanding, the gifts of the Spirit, discerning of the Spirit, word of knowledge and the gift of healing. Those are the true riches that God wants to really take us into. And even the Bible tells us that Simon the sorcerer thought he could buy the gifts of God and the apostle said, no, you will die with your money because you thought you could buy the gift of God. God. That shows us that God does not value money like he values true riches. God wants us to enter in through an inheritance that is obtained through a covenant relationship with him. And I want you to write this down. God cannot give you the good stuff if you cannot be faithful in the minor stuff. He's not going to give us true riches when we don't know how to handle unrighteous riches. Once he gives us true riches, he's not going to take them back. I need someone to hear me. If God gives you true riches, he's not going to take them back. If he gave them to you before you were ready, you would be a loose cannon doing whatever you wanted whenever you wanted. If you cannot be faithful, to what belongs to God the tithe he cannot give you what belongs to you because he can't trust you it's not that God doesn't want to bless you with an inheritance the problem is sometimes we are too immature to handle what he wants to give us it's like giving a car to a child can you imagine me giving my keys to Liam and saying Get out on the highway and run down to Walgreens and get me an iced tea. He's too small. He's too immature to handle it. It would be too dangerous for him and everyone else. If God gives you something before you're ready for it, it's too dangerous for you and everyone in your family. A lot of Christians are sometimes too immature to deal with true riches. They can pray, they can fast all they want, but they're not going to get it until God says that we are ready to receive true riches. How you handle uh, um, unrighteous mammon, how you handle things that are earthly is indicative of how God is going to bless you spiritually. And if you can handle this well, you're in on your way to handling this well. Are you here? Now remember what we said. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everyone say the earth is the Lord's. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Are you really? You really believe that? Why? But the Bible says so. That the earth belongs to who? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So write this down. Everything you have comes from the earth. So what you have is really not yours. It belongs to God. Because didn't we just say the earth? Who, who owns it? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you have comes from the earth. So it, it doesn't even belong to you. But God is so gracious that he allows us to keep the 90% and tells us to bring him the 10%. And he says that because he says the 10% doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me, he says. But I'm generous. I will let you live 
on the 90%. And if you are faithful to bring the 10% that belongs to him, he said, watch me, shamak you, open up the windows of heaven over you, and if you, are un- if you are faithful with all this unrighteous stuff, I will pour out true riches in your life because the tithe has the power to open up the windows of of your life. I'm not preaching theory. I'm preaching what I also live because I am a tither. I don't say that to boast. I say that because my mom and dad taught me how to tithe. My mom and dad said if you get a dollar allowance at the end of the week, I'm from the 70s, if you get a dollar allowance at the end of the week, 10 cents of that sister Donna belongs to the Lord. God taught us how to tithe when we were just children in little old kids church on children's ministry. I want you to know your tithe has the power to open up the windows of heaven and not just pour you out monetary things uh, but God to give you true true riches the second part says I will not only open the windows of heaven I will give you a blessing He's going to open the windows and you're going to know your purpose. You're going to know your destiny. You're going to have understanding. This is what God's call is for my life. He's going to empower you, not with money. He's going to empower you with true riches. He's going to show you where to get what you need. He's going to put the right people in your life who are going to show you when to sign on the dotted line and how to get an advantage. He's going to give you spiritual insight because you no longer live in a house with no windows. You live in a house. You no longer jump from job to job offended at your boss every other week. You are living in a home that has windows open to the east and the west, the north and the south, and you know where your blessing is. And all that's exciting, but if you are hit and miss in your tithe, you destroy it all. You can't be inconsistent and expect God to bless you. Somebody said, Pastor, were you preaching and teaching? No, this is, this is like elementary stuff. We should already have this. You can't expect God to honor the covenant when you don't honor the covenant. <laughs> He's got heavy things for you this year. He wants to do great things, but he wants to know, are you trustworthy? If you're tempted to take the tithe and go on vacation with it, I don't even want to ride in a car with you. I don't even want to leave out on a jet plane with you. Because the Bible says you are cursed with a curse. I'm about to preach over here where I get an amen. How can God give you a million dollars when he can't even trust you with measly old $5 cash app? I felt a witness or somewhere. Are you ready for the second blessing? Write this down. Are you ready for the second blessing? He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And this is what he said. There will not be room enough to receive it. There will not be room enough to receive it. That's the promise. That sounds great, doesn't it? Why would God want to bless you with more than you can receive? That almost sounds wasteful. That's like ordering four eggs and only eating two that cow or that that chicken (laughs) that chicken went through a lot of work and that chef back there on the line went through a lot of work to make them four eggs why would you only eat two are you understand what i'm saying almost sounds like it's a little wasteful but there's a little deeper meaning that i want to understand because the bible says if it is so much that you cannot receive it all then you cannot give anything from it then you cannot receive more blessings from it. Listen to this. To our natural minds, that doesn't make sense. There has to be something else that we're not getting. If he says, you will not have room enough to receive it. Hebrews chapter 7 is the, is the answer. Look at verse 1 through 2. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and also after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. 
you have to underline, you have to dig into this passage to understand what kind of blessing comes out of this to Abraham. There's a principle in the scripture that the priest cannot impart any more to the people than what they have in and of themselves. I can't give you what I don't have. I can't give you what I don't have. So we have to find out a little deeper. When you look at his name, King of Salem, Melchizedek, means King of Righteousness and King of Peace. So his very name means King of Righteousness and King of Peace. So it is believed that when Melchizedek imparted to Abraham a blessing, it was a blessing of righteousness and a blessing of peace that the king put upon the tither. He put upon Abraham a blessing of righteousness and a blessing of peace because that's all he had. You cannot give what you do not have. So he gave him his name. And he put up on him righteousness and he put up on him peace. But you and I are in a far better covenant that then when Jesus came in on the scene because Jesus fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant in that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What they did not have in the Old Testament was the joy of the Holy Ghost. So Melchizedek could only impart righteousness and peace and Jesus could impart joy in the Holy Ghost. In and of yourself when you come into the presence of God you got to understand that you cannot earn your way in. Your righteousness is that filthy rags you have to be imputed to you have to be imparted to the joy the righteousness and the peace and the joy of the Holy Ghost this is why Jesus is referred to and is an analyze against Melchizedek the high priest he not only brings the righteousness he not only brings the peace he brings the joy of the Holy Ghost when you come into the presence of the king, he will impart to you a threefold blessing. So I have to go back to the question, why would God give you a blessing if you cannot receive it all? In Romans or Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 8, look at this. And here, men that die receive tithes. Can you believe that? And here, men that die receive tithes, but there. So there's a here and a there. Here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them. Of whom it is witness that he liveth. Are you ready for this scripture? The whole chapter up through verse 8 is basically telling Jewish people that the old covenant is not better than the new covenant because in the old, the priest died who received tithe. But in our covenant, our high priest lives on forever. And he, has no, he does not die. So then you go to verse 9. And this is what the Bible says. And as I may say, so say, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. Now you got to catch this. It's interesting that he mentions Levi here. Because Levi isn't even born. He is still unborn when Abraham and the first tither tithes to Melchizedek. Why is Abraham or Levi mentioned as receiving tithes 
into Abraham. The Bible is saying that when Abraham and Melchizedek gave him the tithe, that Levi, who would come four generations later, was already in the loins of Abraham. And the Bible says that Levi also gave tithe to Melchizedek at that same time. And Levi is to be blessed because of Abraham's obedience to tithing. In other words, the blessing would be so big that even Abraham would never be able to receive it all. The blessing would be so great, Abraham would never be able to put it all in his bank account. This is going to go to your children and your children's children and your children's children, and so forth. If you are a tither, you are pronouncing blessing over your children in your loins. Your children are already blessed, and they don't even know it. Are you ready for more? Not room enough to receive it all. So I say this to you. You have the power, write this down, to reverse the curse. You can reverse the curse off of your family. After you become consistent in your tithing and the blessings are going to your generations and your descendants, this is the time to continue to teach your children not to mess this thing up. You must maintain the blessing. Because the Bible says, oh, I just feel like teaching here, that an impartation or a blessing can be passed down to how many generations? Four generations. That no matter how good, no matter how smart, or how capable you are, you can impart a blessing on your children for them to have more wealth than you simply because you are a faithful tither, that they will then learn how to flow and operate in true riches. What does the, the Bible says that a faithful father would leave his children an inheritance? How does you do that? Through the tithe. Through the tithe, Abraham blessed Levi four generations later because he decided to take the, the offering, all of that nine kingdom treasure, and sow it into the kingdom of God. Thrown back at him was righteousness. And peace came upon him. And then when you move into the New Testament, we are fulfillment. Jesus fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant so that you and I not only get the righteousness and the peace, but then he gives us the joy of the Holy Ghost and we teach our children to continue to tithe because the blessing is coming after us. The blessing is before you. The blessing is behind you. And if you live in a house that has windows, it's over your house no matter what zip code you live in. I'm blessed my wife is blessed because our parents taught us to tithe. And the blessing of the Lord is upon us. Take a look at your ancestry. And don't send me no email. If you got any email, send it to Pastor Hill. He's really good at handling these scenes. I love my pastor. But if you look at your ancestry, you could probably tell whether or not you come from a line of faithful tithers. I'm glad this is a Wednesday night message. Because if it was a Sunday morning, some people would be huffing and puffing and want to blow the house in. If they, if they were faithful tithers, then you probably have even a better lifestyle than your family did. And it's because of the blessing. And as long as you don't break that, your children and your children's children 
I don't care if they saved or unsaved. If you, he taught about stuff. If you keep it, you will send a blessing. You got people right now who are so away from God, don't even know how blessed they are. Because you broke the curse off of them. Because if the iniquities can be passed on to the children, then you rest assured that the blessings can be too. Somebody ought to give God praise right there because that's how great that blessing is. I'll open up the windows of heaven. Don't ever stop tithing. God will bless you and your children's children. And I got to give you the third promise, and I promise you these last ten, I mean these last three, are easy. Malachi 3 and 11, and I'm going to break it down as they come to the piano. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Oh, I love this part. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. The, I want you to write this down. The word rebuke in Hebrew means to chide, to agitate, to pr- reprove, to move out, to toss away, to say, stop it. That's enough. And so he says, I, my God, I will chide. I will rebuke. I will say, stop it on your behalf. (laughs) But God can't do that for you if you're not a tither. He can't rebuke the devourer because the condition is you must be a tither. And if you tithe, God will say, hey, and he'll stop the enemy from knowing where your blessing is. Because you have created a place for God. And God comes between you and the enemy and does warfare on your behalf. He marks your blessing. Can't touch this. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thy increase. So if you remember, the Hebrew word for honor means to mark out a place for God. When you tithe, you are marking out, an X marks the spot, a place for God to identify. He identifies it right there. It's the connotation of where you dig a hole for God in your life and you let God fill that hole. If you do not honor God with the first fruits or your tithe, then you've not given God a place in your life for him to fill. You have to put an X marks the spot. Your tithe does that. It sanctifies all of that. And when the devourer knocks on the door, he has to stand back because God steps up and honors what you mark. This belongs to God. God says, this belongs to me. I rebuke you. God shields you and protects you and stands between you and your devourer. And there are many Christians, hear me, we're preaching to ourselves tonight, who have to deal with the problems that, that happen over and over and over again. Situations that God would have stepped up on your behalf and stood between you and the devourer for your sake. But there was no X that marks the spot for him to say that belongs to me. See, he said, if you do this, I will do this. Isn't that great? If you do this, I will do that. I don't have time to go into, you know, every time you just get ahead, you fall back and all these things. But I would say this, if you're not tithing, you're putting your money in a bag that has holes in it. God says, if I can trust you with the unfaithful righteous, the unrighteous mammon, if you can be trusted just with that, Come over here and let me show you the true riches that I'll give you. I will move you into provision that will affect your children and the destiny coming behind you because you are a tither. 
See, you don't get this teaching everywhere. Some pastors won't preach on tithe and offering. They're afraid they're going to run people off. I told you 22 years ago when we came here, I don't look at your tithe. I don't know how much you tithe. And I mean that. And our teams can verify. We don't know the amount of your tithe. We choose not to. So I'm preaching to everybody the same way I'm preaching to myself. I want you to be blessed. I want you and your children to get it. I want you to start making this a pattern in your life. Not, I don't need your money. Church don't need it. God don't even need it. He wants you to walk in a blessing. He wants you to turn yourself not just into a tither, but then to move to another, a whole nother level in your giving. Because it's your giving that measures back to you. And if you are here tonight, please don't think I'm picking on you. I'm not. I don't know. Now, I assume everyone who's on this platform is a tither. I assume every one of our leaders are tithers. I assume all of our ushers are tithers. Because how can they receive your money if they're not tithing themselves? Come on, talk to me, church. I'm just being honest. I just assume everyone's doing this. And I'm not here to beat anybody up because I'll be honest with you, Beverly and I worked our way into this. God had to teach us some lessons along the way till we finally got it. And then blessings started staying in our life. Now, the promise that I leave you with is, is he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. He told the devourer, you're not going to destroy the fruits of their ground. And we understand that when God says the fruit of your ground, that's kind of almost more, more intimate. Because the word ground in Hebrew is the word adama, adama. Ground means adama in Hebrew. It's the same word in Genesis 2 where God formed man out of the adama, out of the ground. And that's where we get Adam because he was taken out of the adama. And the Bible says, from dust you came, and dust you will return. So when Jesus uses the parable of the sower, he talks about the sower sowing the word. And the word is always sown in the Adama. The word is always sown in the soil. The word is always sown in the ground. He said, it is the soil that is the heart of man. That's where it's at. And he said, I will not let the enemy destroy the fruit of your Adama, your ground. Tithing is so powerful that it even, it even affects whether or not you're going to be an offended person in your life. Jesus said it is needful that offenses will come, but a tither has the ability to not be offended. Why is that a revelation for us? Because Jesus said that the sower would sow the word and he said very clearly that the problem is never the word. The word is an incorruptible seed, but the problem is it is sown into different types of ground. Different soils which is the heart, the grounds of for you to have a heart condition, an offended spirit. I have to stay with this tonight. If your heart is hardened, Satan will steal the seed every time. You can come to church and have no righteousness, no peace, and no joy. You sit here and you're upset and you're offended and you're critical and you're fault-finding. It's the weeds and the thorns and the cares of the life that have choked out the love of God and the fruit in your life. Anxiety and stress, all of those things. How do you keep your soil right? Tithing. It's just like praying. You cannot be mad at a person that you are praying for every day. I don't know, but I got to say this. If you're offended all the time, mad at this person, mad at that person, it will steal all your fruit.
will. And you'll have no victory. You'll come to church and be like, this is, this is what we're live, dealing with today. I have found that pastoring today is an emotional roller coaster. I'm dealing with people who are up one day, they have a real spiritual chill bump and a Holy Ghost move, and they're okay for a minute. Down they go. And they stay down here for a long time. Church ain't blessing me. I'm not being fed. Pastor's dictating to me. Bless God, I don't have to put up with this. And then they'll find their way up again. And it'll look good and they'll post good about it. Because they're trying to convince themselves and you. And then it won't be long. Down again. Tithing keeps your heart invested. Tithing keeps your heart invested. Sister Marilyn owns a beauty shop. If you need your hair did, come on over see her. If I go into Sister Marilyn's shop and I sit in that chair and she gives me the best cut of my life, And when it comes time to pay, I look in the mirror and I say, hmm, it's a little uneven. I told you I needed a three guard, not a two guard. And I start just criticizing all the work she's done. And here she was just trying to help me. She's trying to help me. And I've determined I'm going to be offended and I run out of the shop and never pay and never bring to her what she's owed. I've not only stolen from her, in essence, I've robbed her. The ability to pay her bills, to pay her employees. Are you here? And my heart's all cluttered. So the next shop, I go down to Sports Cliff and I badmouth her shop to them. You'll never believe what they did over there. And then after I get my hair cut at Sports Clip and that nice hot towel thing that they give you, then I got complaints to them. When did you raise your prices? I didn't know your prices was raised. You didn't tell me when I sat in your chair that the price was raised. How am I supposed to pay this? You didn't tell me ahead of time. I really didn't get that great of service. I think, you know, uh, I don't even know if that comb was sterilized. And I started picking apart and then I jump up and I run out as a dissatisfied customer. And then I go to another barbershop downtown. And I say, you'll never believe what they did to me over at Sports Clips. This is the spiritual roller coaster. Now put a church in that. If they come talking to you about the people they left, when they leave you, they'll talk about you the same way. It's because today we're living with offenses. People who don't tithe, they're not invested. Come on, let's stand to our feet. <laughs> God wants fruit. Say that with me, God wants fruit. So God said he wanted to plant the seed in the soil and then produce the fruit. Your children are the fruit of that. Your blessings, the things that God has for you are, the, are, are part of that. If he cannot get your stuff, listen to me. If, if God meets the devil and stands between him and rebukes him, the devourer, for your sake. And he marks it off and he can't steal it. Then if he can't steal your stuff, the next thing he wants to do is to destroy what your fruit could have been. Remember, when he taught us these parables, he said 30, 60, and 100 fold. That there would be a process in your life that you would be in a 30 season and you would start gaining ground and you would get into a 60 season and then you would start moving into a 100 season. These are the fruits of your ground because God's watching the ground for it to yield that. God wants you to be successful. Don't you let the enemy steal your seed and you get offended 
Because if you don't get the seed in the ground, you never will produce the fruit. And God wants you to, your children's children to outlive you in blessing. And I'm telling you that you are guaranteed by God who is the husbandman and the dresser of the soil that he will keep watch over the fruit of your ground. That's what the word said. Isn't that what he said in Malachi 3? When he said, he will not, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground and neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. That's what God is saying, that it belongs to you. It'll come when it's supposed to come and he won't let the enemy get it. It'll come when it's supposed to come. If you will just be faithful to do what God told you to do, it'll come when it's supposed to come. I leave you with a little illustration. When, when Pastor Ethan bought a new truck, I got the desire to buy me a new truck. Not because I can't let my son-in-law out-truck me, but I had drove and been a good steward of my truck. I had a 2006 F-150, bought it new on the lot. First, I think one of the first new vehicles we've ever bought. New off the lot, 2006. I drove it for, I think, 14 years. Held its value. I kept it washed, kept the oils changed, kept the, everything serviced on it. And when I went to sell it, Brother Arthur, it was, it was still holding its value high. I didn't have to have a new truck. Did I need a new truck? Did I want a new truck? Yeah. Is it wrong for you to want things? No. If you've been faithful and a steward, you don't have to explain your blessing to anybody. He will bless you coming in and bless you going out. So I put it on something on the internet. I can't remember what it was. And I started getting hits on it. And I had my eye on another vehicle. So I knew if I get this other vehicle, I'm going to have to sell this one because we don't have room for that, both. And so I started looking. I said, I want a black F-150. And I didn't even want a brand new one. I said, I'll take a 2016 the same year as my son-in-law. I'll just take 2000. I want it black, all black interior, chrome edition. I mean, I, if you might as well get detailed with it, right? And that's what I said I want. I want it, God. Do I have to have it? No, but I want it, God. Have you been faithful in the little thing? So that same truck, a 2016, it was already used, showed up down in Cincinnati. And I started wheeling and dealing, trying to get, get that truck, and they would not budge on that truck. I said, Psh, wouldn't do it. I was preaching a revival about a month later down in Kentucky, and I popped up the, the thing that shows where trucks are for sale, and there was one just like it, identical to the one that was in Cincinnati. Same everything. I said, <laughs> and I called, and the guy would not deal. He would not deal. And I didn't get the truck. I drove home, thought, well, maybe I, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to get the truck. I don't know. But I still wanted it. I was still saying, God, I got some fruit here that I'd like to cash in on a little bit here. You said you'd not let my fruit go before it's time. And, and, and I just feel like I'm supposed to make this move right here. Beverly and I had prayed. We were in agreement. And then, wouldn't you know, I got an email that a Chevy dealership on the east side, a Chevy dealership was selling a Ford truck. And it was the same truck I wanted except it was a new, a one year newer. I said, honey, let's go. And we, 
We drove over there at that Chevy dealership and bought it right off the lot. It wasn't brand new, but it was just what I needed. Just what I wanted. Now listen, I'm trying to get you to understand something. The first truck wasn't it. I just kept on doing what I do. The second truck wasn't it. I just can't. I'm not going to get upset just because this didn't work out over here. If it, it had I got the first or the second, who knows what I'd be in. But the third truck was just right. And I'm trying to get you to understand that when you stay under an open heaven, God will show you. He'll speak to you. He will direct you and He'll show you where your blessing is. And you will not lose your fruit in the process. Come on, lift your hands to the heavens and begin to thank God for my house is covered. My house is covered. Glory to God. Pour your spirit up on every giver here tonight. Pour your spirit upon every tither here tonight. Hallelujah. Show us where our blessings are. Show us where our economy is. Our stewardship. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 